Hey, Chicago Fire fans, welcome back to the Feed the Fire podcast. I am your host, Nick, and we are mixing up our schedule just over the next week because the Chicago Fire had the weekend off, had Father's Day off. Hopefully they got to enjoy some time with their families, get their heads right, get their legs rested because their next stretch of games is going to be difficult. We're going to take a look at their next match against the Portland Timbers, and then we're going to touch a little bit on the USMNT, who once again are the kings of CONCACAF, as they recently, within probably the last 20 minutes as I'm recording this episode, hoisted the Nations League trophy. They defeated Canada 2-0 in the final after a huge win, 3-0 over Mexico in the semifinals on Friday. So let's take a look a little bit about the fire. We'll take a little bit of the national team picture in it, and then we'll let you all enjoy your week. Let me remind you all that Feed the Fire is brought to you by Skira Icelandic Spring Water, available at your local 7-Eleven. And you can hear a little bit of scratch in my voice here, and I definitely need a bottle or two of Skira. Also, we have to recognize that it was Father's Day today. So want to wish all the dads out there, the grandfathers, godfathers, stepfathers, everyone a happy Father's Day. And wanted to share with you all one of my favorite like dad and soccer stories together. Um, I was playing club soccer. I must have been 14, 15 years old at the time. I was playing for uh, Northwest Indiana United back in my day. And my dad, who's a priest, works weekends. And so he rarely ever got to come and see me play. But for whatever it was, um, he didn't have any sacraments to do. There were no church services on this particular day. And he takes me out to my game and I was thrilled to have him there. I end up playing a decent game, but in the second half, I slid to intercept the pass. Nobody's around me, but I, I slid to intercept the pass. And then I played the ball from the ground. The referee I don't know if he thought there was some just general rule that you're not allowed to play the ball from the ground, which I've never heard of in, you know, U15, U16 club soccer. Uh, but maybe in my kids' seven-year-old league, you can't play from the ground because they don't even let them do headers, which is fine. But still, I get yellow carded, even though there's nobody around me, because I played the ball from the ground. I don't know what the referee was thinking. He's blowing the whistle. I'm looking around like, what's going on? My coach is looking around like, what's going on? Even the other players on the other team are like, why is the referee blowing a whistle and giving this guy a yellow card? My dad loses it. My father played collegiate soccer uh, throughout his JUCO undergrad and into his grad school. He played in three different leagues and is was a huge soccer fan, right? He knows the game. He knows this is bogus. He is screaming at the referee. The referee gives my father a yellow card in the stands. And that does not alleviate the situation. That is not a, sir, you need to calm down kind of moment here. Let's focus on the kids playing. He decided to give him a yellow card. That escalated things. My father continued to explain to the referee why he does not know what he is doing. And the referee said, thinking this would de-escalate, which, come on, seriously, has this ever worked for anyone? The referee takes his whistle off and holds it out to the sidelines to my father and says, well, sir, if you think you can do better, why don't you come and try it? And my father walked down the bleachers, walked onto the field, and went and took the referee's whistle. <laughs> At that point, the referee gave him a red card and sent him to the parking lot. And it was one of my most favorite moments of my father and my soccer career combining. And I just have to say happy Father's Day to my dad. 
he is the first person to taught me how to dribble a soccer ball, was the first person to help me fall in love with the game, was one of my first coaches as well, taught me all the little little secret tricks, the little bit of the dark arts, things that he learned as a collegiate defender uh, that I tried to incorporate in my game. And I just really appreciate everything that he's done for me and set a good example. And in that particular matter, not being bossed around or getting, you know, making sure you stand up for yourself in that game. So thank you, Dad. Happy Father's Day to you and to all the dads out there. Now, let's take a look at the Chicago Fire upcoming game. They are facing off against the Portland Timbers on June 21st, 9.30 p.m. late game. They are in Portland. And this is going to be a tough, tough matchup for the Chicago Fire. As we mentioned in prior episodes, Portland is a difficult place to play. Providence Park is really difficult. The fans there do a wonderful job of giving their team the home field advantage. Let's take a look at the Portland Timbers. They are currently sitting at ninth place in the Western Conference on 21 points they are averaging 1.17 points per game five wins seven losses six draws 20 goals scored 24 goals allowed they have a much better home form four wins two draws two losses than they do away uh while they where they only have one win but again they've got the home field advantage in this matchup against the fire portland i really thought that their competitive window has is shut right i think they that they still haven't found that replacement for sebastian blanco even for diego valeri even though he's been out for a few seasons now and i just don't think that they have the attacking talents like they used to uh to elevate them to top of the Western Conference trophy contender. But they always do seem to surprise. And when you've got a manager like Giovanni Savarese on the bench, roaming the sidelines, fire in his eyes at all times, you never know what he's going to be able to get out of his team. So as much as I want to say their trophy window is shut, Portland is still a very competitive team and a team that usually does come on strong uh, the second half. They, he, Savarese knows how to adjust tactically within games and knows how to adjust his team's playing style throughout the season. So we'll see what he comes up with for this game against the Fire. Now, one of the other things that I like to do, I go over to the website fbref.com, plug in Major League Soccer, and pull up and kind of see where Portland falls statistically against some of the other teams in the league and how they compare around Major League Soccer. Well, when I did that and kind of filtered for expected goals, goals scored, passing numbers, uh, possession numbers, things of that, goalkeeping statistics, Portland never really popped in. the. They didn't pop up in the top 10 of any offensive statistic. They were probably at best a middle to low middle MLS team when it comes to offensive statistics, passing, goal scoring, things like that. But where the Portland Timbers do stand out, are their defensive categories. They are sixth in the league, tied for sixth in the league with tackles, uh, and second in the league with tackles in their defensive third. So they have 300 tackles on the season. 163 of them are coming in the defensive third. Uh, another 105 in the middle third and only 32 in the attacking third. So they are not really pressing. They're not playing high lines, but they are really clamping down when it comes to uh, defending in their own zone. Additionally, they're third in the league on blocked uh, on, on blocks. They are middle of the league in shots blocked, but also fifth in the league in passes 
blocked. So they are uh, they are getting into good defensive spots, and that really worries me that the Chicago Fire are not going to be able to break down this Portland Timbers team, especially on the road. I I don't see the Chicago Fire really breaking them down because the Fire have been most successful offensively in quick transition moments and bringing the ball up the wings, playing these crosses in, letting Kai do his thing. Maybe Shabuko gets lucky, or maybe they hit Kutsius on a break if he actually gets to play as a striker, which surprises me that Klopas has been playing Shabilko and Kai as strikers over Kutsius and trying to fit him somewhere in the midfield or the wing. Again, just shows that 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 high that they got when Klopas took over as interim was very, very short-lived, and that he actually doesn't know what he's doing. Again, he still can't figure out how to get Gutierrez and Shakiri to play together, if at all. So that concerns me as a Chicago Fire fan, that the Fire who offensively are better at counterattacking, quick strikes, playing up the wings, are going to run into a forest of defenders. And yes, I say that intentionally for the Portland Timbers. They're going to run into numerous defenders, multiple lines uh, of defense, and they are not going to be able to break it down. Uh, To me, I haven't looked at all the odds yet, but this just screams to me, bet the under, like one nothing zero zero type of game. The other thing that I want to point at is kind of the recent run of form uh, that these squads are in here. If you're looking at the Portland Timbers, their last three games, they have five points. They draw at San Jose, they win at home against Dallas, and then draw away to, to Seattle. And you saw that draw at Seattle coming off a huge 4-1 loss uh, to Kansas City. So Portland really rallied after that embarrassment to Sporting Kansas City, draws their rival away in one of the hardest places to play in MLS at Lumen Field in Seattle, and then turns that into a three-game point streak. That is going to be really, really difficult for the Chicago Fire, who are sitting 14th of 15 teams in the Eastern Conference, uh, to really kind of match. Um, The Fire really don't have any momentum coming into uh, this game. Now, maybe that doesn't make a difference because they had a bye week, but they lose to Columbus, they lose to Cincinnati, had three draws before that, and a loss to Charlotte. In fact, the Chicago Fire haven't won a game, a regular season game, since their match against St. Louis way back in like the second week of May. So it has been a while for the fire to find three points. So giving, given all of that, I really do think that this is going to be a Portland victory. I haven't picked the fire to win a game in forever. And I I've picked a few draws from them, but I really don't see them um, coming away with any points in uh in in portland at this time so that's going to be it i'm picking portland one nothing now we're going to take a short halftime break let me remind everyone here that the show is brought to you by skira icelandic spring water skira icelandic spring water comes from a government protected spring in iceland with naturally low mineral content this water is some of the best you're going to find naturally filtered through all that volcanic rock in Iceland. Clearly, pun intended, it's one of the best, and it's available at your local 7-Eleven. Make sure you go grab a bottle or or several, especially as we get ready for some more midweek MLS action. But 
if you don't have a bottle, you're going to need one because after watching this USMNT game, is your voice as scratchy as mine right now? Not only just this game against Canada in the Nations League final, but the whole thing against Mexico. You can go back and listen to my prior episode and get all the information on that. But I just got to say that watching the United States men's national team play in these semi and finals for Nations League gives me a lot of confidence going forward. Now, will Burhalter tweak it a little bit and change things up? Probably, because he's a head coach. There's a way he wants to play, and he's been with these guys for, for three, four years. So he, there's ways he wants to fit them in. But you can't ignore what B.J. Callahan did to allow uh, Gio Reyna to play centrally and really progress the ball, to give Musa the freedom to work with him, to have Wea running the wings, to have Balogun be a threat as a striker. And not have any sort of odd false nine, not have any sort of, um, you know, odd striker flowing out wide like we used to see Josh Sargent doing. Um, you know, not have him just be a stand-up target striker that we've seen others play in the past, That uh, like a Zardis perhaps. Um, Balogun is, is a much more complete striker and puts in the work defensively as we saw against Mexico. And he gets rewarded. He gets the second goal of two tonight in the United States game, making a great uh, run. Geo picks the ball up in the midfield. Balgan just runs straight ahead, runs toward the goal. He knows exactly where he's going to go. He knows how Geo is going to attack. You got Waya on the wing. Waya gets the ball, plays it in to Balgan, plays it through, or I'm sorry, Waya is on the wing, pulling defenders out wide, and Geo is able to slip the ball right through to Balgan, who uses his physical strength to hold off the defender and then bangs it home. And then on the first one, it's Geo with the assist, set piece goal, corner kick goal to Chris Richards. And I loved what they were saying about. Uh, Chris Richards in the postgame show that, you know, you need to have set piece threats that can separate teams, especially at the highest levels. And we haven't seen it from the United States in recent memory. I remember as a kid watching the U.S. men's national team, you know, in the in the mid to late 90s, early 2000s, like there was no way the U.S. was going to go toe to toe. They were going to drop like 9-10 behind the ball and hopefully get on the end of a corner or a free kick and, and come out with a draw or a win that way to see Chris Richards add to the threat that Walker Zimmerman and Miles Robinson bring is fantastic. And I, I really hope now that we have this and we have actual tape of it, that we're not going to see Christian Pulisic taking corner kicks, playing them to the near post to try and flick them on or any other sort of like setup plays like that. Do one or two a game. I'm okay with kind of a set piece, but no more flicking it to, you know, playing it to the near post and flick it on like we see a lot of the Chicago fire corner kicks do. Put it in the mixer. Get it in the middle. Let your guys like Zimmerman and Richards go up and get it or let it get knocked back into uh, the the trailers uh, of the runs like a, a Balogun maybe or like uh, Gio if he's not taking the free kicks. Like a way, guys on rushing, Musa, McKenney running in. And, and becoming the second option, something like that. I'd love to see it. But again, just a couple quick notes, things that jumped out to me. We all know how good Christian Pulisic is and how good he was in Mexico. Didn't have the same kind of impact on this game uh, as, as he did in the Mexico game, but he didn't need to. And I think Canada was maybe almost too worried about him, and it allowed the game to open up for Gio and Wea and Balligan. Um, Gio played phenomenal. Two assists. He anytime he got the ball, he was going forward. He even had a sequence where he was literally dribbling circles around two Canadian defenders. Looked great. He looked good. The only worry is that he came out at halftime, took a real hard knock. He was known to have a calf injury, did not play in the second half. And when the U.S. players ran to celebrate 
the victory at full time, he was hobbling off the bench to get out there to be with his teammates. So wishing Gio a speedy recovery because we could use a number of performances like this one going forward from him. Speaking of Gio, there's obviously the question of what's his relationship going to be with Burhalter. Um, we heard from Oguchi Onyewu in the pregame, uh, who is now working with U.S. Soccer and was part of the coaching search, that they had wanted to tell Burhalter that he's he won the job back and they wanted him to make some calls to guys like Pepe and Gio Reyna and have an initial conversation with them before it went public, before they made the announcement. But due to the fact that this information leaked right before kickoff of the last game, um, they had to go ahead and then make the formal announcement. And unfortunately, it wasn't the way they wanted to deliver the message. But as Anyewu said, that's sports. You got to deal with it. You got to understand that that this wasn't something we wanted to spring anybody, but reporters are going to do their job and report on it, which, by the way, always loved watching Gooch play. Loved him. Talk about defenders getting on the ends of set pieces. There you go. Um, so uh, Gio was phenomenal tonight. I was very impressed with Joe Scally um, playing as the right back, keeping Alfonso Davies in check for that first half, so much so that they switched Fonzie to opposite side of the field where they tried to match him up against Anthony Robinson, who also kept him in check. Phenomenal performances by the outside backs, pushing forward when they needed to and recovering and keeping one of the best players in the region in front of them, as well as every other Canadian player. So fantastic defending by the outside backs. Um, excellent reading of the game by Zimmerman and Richards, and Richards making some big defensive recovery. Now, I don't want to say runs because it's not like he was running 20, 30 yards to get back, but just getting to the other side of the of the 18-yard box or getting to the other side of Matt Turner coming across and covering uh, covering up and intercepting some passes. So excellent work defensively. Lo I was a little worried about the midfield because I didn't see anyone who played a like, defensive midfield. We had Gio uh, Reyna, we had Eunice Musa, and then we had Brendan Aronson, who was uh, – some people say he was there – Pester Alfonso Davies, other people said he was there to press forward or just probably was doing it all. I didn't see anyone really playing a true like D-mid type of position, but you know what? It worked tonight. Canada, I thought, was going to come out and try to dominate the midfield. Instead, they wanted to attack the wings. Didn't work for them. They never adjusted, and we will take it. And then, of course, Balgan getting the goal. Pulisic playing well. Wea making those same great runs, as I called them in our last episode, those lung-busting runs up the wing, getting in behind the defense, keeping them honest, really not allowing Canada to throw numbers forward and establish possession or anything offensively. So great all around. There's a lot that Berhalter can take from this game and hopefully add it to everything that he has been working on with his team. The one thing that I, I got a comment about something on that we've been seeing on social media, it was all the Burhalter hate because look how good Gio Reyna played in, in these last two games. Look how good Joseph Scali played or Joe Scali played in this game. And, oh, they didn't hardly play at all during uh, during the World Cup. Well, I got to say, even though the World Cup was seven months ago, six months ago-ish, I really don't think these two guys are the same players that they were at that point. I mean, Scali wasn't getting much time at Borussia Mönchengladbach, so are you really going to fault Berhalter, who – Again, we know he likes guys who are in form. Are you really going to fault him for not playing Scaly, who wasn't getting club time? And then are you really going to fault him for not playing Gio Reyna, who was dogging it at training, right? Even his teammates said that. So I, you, I don't think you can compare Reyna and Scaly today to how they were during the World Cup group stage. So I don't think that's a fair 
way to take a shot at Burhalter. Like I get why people don't want him and don't like him and for all these reasons, but at the end of the day, I don't think this is your one. They always say when I was in law school, lead with your best argument. You're not going to want to lead with this one at all. All that. I can't believe this. It's not the same Gio Reyna. It's not the same Joe Scali. Not the same US MNT team. All right. So I just want just wanted to leave that out there. Um, short episode tonight, everyone. I'm actually taking the family. We're going on a little bit of a vacation. So I will, once we get back, we'll have some other episodes ready to roll for you. In the meantime, enjoy this great USMNT win. And for the Chicago Fire, let's go back and try to bring a point back from Portland. If you want to get in touch with me, you can find me on Gmail, uh, glasshousesoccer at gmail.com, on Twitter at glasshousesoccer. But in the meantime, let's go USMNT. Let's Let's go fire.